You will never feast at the table prepared for you if you're settling for the crumbs underneath. Hey friends, I'm excited to be back with you today for another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry. I was recently asked to be a keynote speaker at a Women's Leadership Summit, a virtual summit coming up at the end of June. And I was asked to speak because this person knew that I had recently been focusing on the topic of worth in my work as a thought coach. And of course, one of the ways I coach women is through speaking. Another way, if you didn't know, is through this podcast. I thought about it and I thought, wow, I'd really love to speak about worth. But that wasn't my first response. My first response to her was, is there a budget for your keynote speakers? It's an interesting phenomenon in the world of keynote speaking, how many organizations anticipate that speakers will come and speak to their group for free. They'll say things like, it's exposure, right? You get in front of all of these people. But here's my problem that I've discovered with that. And it's not necessarily a problem as much as a truth that me going to speak to an organization is part of my livelihood. It's part of my job. It's part of my career. It's part of my mission. It's what I do, right? I help steer people to the truth that your thoughts can change your life. And so if I'm going to speak to a group of people, why wouldn't I get paid? Well, let me give you the simple and short answer to that. Why wouldn't I get paid? Because I don't ask for it. Since I've been keynote speaking for the last six years or so, I have been paid for several keynote speaking engagements, but by and large, I have done speaking for free. And that is based on the faulty assumption of two parties, the faulty assumption of the person asking me that I would be speaking for free and the faulty assumption of me that I would be speaking for free, that this is just what you had to do, that you just had to pay your dues. So for years, I settled. I settled for not being paid to speak, thinking that's just the way it goes. Now, I believe that if one is a speaker, that's part of their livelihood. Yes, I believe that from time to time, there are opportunities for pro bono or complimentary speaking engagements, but those are the exceptions and not the rule. Unfortunately, I had that in reverse for much of my professional life. Some may say I'm a late bloomer in life, but I would say that I'm right on course with many other women out there who are learning how to exercise their worth. In other words, we are learning throughout our lives. We must be learning, that is thriving, growing, flourishing, prospering, learning how to exercise or act upon our worth. It's not enough to know your worth. You must know how to show your worth. And that is not for the benefit of others. It is for the benefit of yourself. Because when we know and exercise our worth, everything in life starts to be beneficial to us, serves us, and everything that we choose in life starts to be a platform for us to most effectively serve others. In my experience, we learn to exercise our worth in various facets of our life. For example, my worth as a student, 
I was convinced of. I was convinced I was smart. I was capable. I had a passion to learn. So it was easy for me to exercise that worth by showing up to class, by doing my best, by reading as much as possible, by learning and growing in that way. But that was not always the case. Even as a high school student and as a first-time college major, which I later dropped out and went back years later. But back then, I did not know my worth as a student. I did not have confidence that I was smart, that I was capable. And so I did things that spoke to what I believed about myself, that I wasn't smart. So I didn't go to class. I did not put my best foot forward. I think I got my first F as a senior in high school. Parents, if your kid is getting an F, it's okay. Everything's going to be all right. But when I had an epiphany driving home from work on the Beltway, 495, and I knew what I wanted to do, it took just that one split second of realization for me to understand that I was worth that, that I had worth in that area, that I did have a passion and a desire to learn. So when I went back to school, I mean, I crushed it. I worked and I went to school and I gave my all to it. I dedicated everything to it and I did really well. And fast forward and I landed my number one pick for my pre-doctoral internship and the list goes on and on. I learned to exercise my worth in the area of learning, of being capable of learning. That was probably my first full-on experience with learning to exercise my worth. And as I've grown in my own personal practice of adopting a thriving thought world, one in which I choose to deliberately grow, I have had more occasion to exercise my worth in other areas of my life. One of those other areas you will know well if you have read my book, Breakup Breakthroughs, that I released, can you believe it, you guys, almost a year ago, back in July of 2020 in the middle of this global pandemic. You can find that, by the way, on Amazon.com. You can simply search Breakup Breakthroughs book by Dr. Sherry Yoder, or you can just follow the link in the show notes. But yes, that book, Breakup Breakthroughs, that brought me to a place or I should say that was birthed from a place of exercising my worth when it comes to romantic relationships. It was actually the exercise of my worth that prompted the breakup that would then produce this book, Breakup Breakthroughs. I had begun to answer the nudge rather than bury and ignore it that I was worth more than what I was getting, that I was giving more than what I was getting. In other words, I was giving my time, my energy, and my love away for free at no cost to the other person. And when we're giving ourselves away in a relationship for free, we end up feeling used up. And then we reach a point, a pivotal point where we have to say, is this what I'm worth or not? I said, no, I'm worth more. If you want to know more about the things that I learned about myself after that traumatic experience of a breakup, you'll need to pick up a copy of the book. This is just one example of how I have learned personally to exercise my worth in another facet of my life. Eating healthy and exercise and cooking for yourself, in other words, taking care of your physical body, is also another facet of our lives where we can learn to exercise worth. That is something that I have embraced full on. In fact, I exercise nearly every day and I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I'm worth that. I don't do it to impress anybody, to be like anybody, or to succumb to the pressures of society to look 
and be a certain way. No, I do it because I'm worth that. I was on the way home from seeing a client in another state a couple of weeks ago, and I was starving. I was so hungry. But for those of you that don't know, I'm also gluten-free. There are very few places that I can stop and get something nutritious for myself. But I thought, well, I could just go through you know, a burger place and I can get a burger without a bun. And then I remembered that I had fresh greens and tomatoes and spring onions waiting for me at home. And I thought, you know what? I'm worth more than going through that drive through to get something that's going to satisfy my hunger for sure, but is not going to equip me to take care of myself, isn't going to communicate to me that I am worth it. I said to myself, literally, I am worth waiting for the salad. And so that's what I did. I'm worth getting up every morning and taking care of myself by exercising, even if that exercise produces no visible results. I am worth investing in. Maybe that's the area of your life where your worthiness needs to wake up and be exercised. Now, let me get back to the beginning to tell you about exercising worthiness, my worth in my professional life as a keynote speaker. You will be surprised to learn that this exercise of worth as a keynote speaker is brand spanking new and it is so liberating. And I'm so honored that I get to share that with you. Listen, a couple of months ago, I was asked to speak at three different events, all virtual, of course, and I said yes, under the advanced understanding that it would be a complimentary speaking engagement. I had a great experience. I got to, for the first time, see hands waving in the air and learned that that was clapping. I had a lot of engagement. I had people saying that what I shared spoke to them and resonated with them. I had offshoot meetings from those. In other words, I had a great person-to-person impact. But yet... I wasn't willing to do that for free without a cost to someone. So what I had decided to do at that time was I said, yes, I'd I'd love to speak. Here's my one request that upon speaking, you go and you write a review for me or a recommendation on my Dr. Sherry Facebook page or my LinkedIn page. Sounds like a reasonable idea, right? Sounds like a great exchange. Yes, I'll share with my expertise with you if you will also help to share me with others by telling them about me. Well, it's a good idea in theory, but in my experience, it was a failed idea. Because what happened is I was exerting more energy in trying to make that happen. In other words, following up with people to say, hey, you agreed to write me a review. just wanted to remind you, would you go ahead and do that for me? That's an episode for another day, but there's a phenomenon about getting written reviews. You have to do them. You know, if you get a product and you're happy with it, you need to do it right then and there. That's why marketing companies recommend that you send out a text message right away to your customers. So at this point, we're talking, we're three, four, six weeks out from my speaking engagements. So I stopped reaching out to remind because I thought, you know, I'm I'm expending an additional amount of energy here, an additional amount of time, an additional amount of heart trying to get somebody to follow through on what they had committed to do. So now, Lesson learned there, the way that I practice worthiness as a keynote speaker is I still provide 
something of incredible value. Yes, I spend time preparing. Yes, I spend time being engaged deliberately with this audience, looking to the audience, especially if it's a virtual one, very carefully to catch body signals, to answer questions, to engage with my audience. It's part of my job. It's part of my livelihood. It's what I do. And so now, rather than spending even more of myself on chasing down reviews or recommendations, I have a simple rule, and it's that I have a keynote speaking fee. So when I was contacted recently to be a keynote speaker for this Women's Leadership Summit, that is why my first response was, yes, I'd love to. What is your speaker budget? I was told there was no budget that this was a free event and therefore they were unable to pay their speakers. And so I politely declined the speaking opportunity. And the interesting thing is that I was asked to speak on the subject of worth. And so I provided an additional piece of information for the person requesting me to speak. And that was that in her request for me to speak on worth, I was exercising mine by declining her request. Fear, I believe, is the number one enemy to our ability to exercise our worth. It's the lie that says if you don't take this, you won't get that. It's the lie that says that you have to settle for something. Maybe it's a romantic partner. Maybe it's settling for not taking care of yourself. Maybe it's settling for a certain level of compensation when you know you're worth much more. Maybe it's settling for thinking you don't have what it takes to live out your dreams, so you don't. I'll do another bonus episode on fear, but for now, just know this, that any decision that you make about you that's based in fear is the wrong one. Fear leads you in the direction that is opposite that which will provide you with fulfillment. It makes you run from, for example, the pain of the present, something you might be grieving, and replacing that with anxiety of the future because somehow that feels more comfortable. But that's also settling. What are you settling for? What crumbs are you accepting in your life when you deserve a feast? Are you accepting maltreatment or abuse even because it's better than being alone? Are you settling for the guilt of the past as a way to suffocate your future? Are you settling for the shopping habit that makes you feel good in the short term, but in the long term, you know is not you taking care of you? Are you settling for friendships where you feel like all you do is pour out, pour out, pour out, and you don't feel refreshed in return? You will never feast at the table prepared for you if you're settling for the crumbs underneath. Get yourself a free download of that over on my Dr. Sherry Facebook page. Go ahead and click the link in the show notes and give me a follow on Facebook and you'll have access to that pretty pink and white picture that you can even download and save as a screensaver to remind you to start now. It's never too late, friends, to exercise your worth. Until next time, friends, remember to speak truth over the lies and you will thrive in any and every circumstance.